Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. How many are ready to get in the Word of God tonight? I started a message last night called Living Above the Natural, and I wanted to go into it a second time deeper than we did last night. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it to Hebrews chapter 11. Apparently someone's not a fan of the message, but I'm going to stick with <laughs> what I felt the Lord speak to me to speak tonight. Hebrews 11, verse 1. And if you would, uh, if you're going to put the scriptures up on the screen while I read them, put them up in the King James so I can go there if uh, the New Living Translation doesn't draw it out well. Hebrews 11, 1. Say with me, living above the natural. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Let me see it in the King James. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Go down to verse 6, if you would, for the sake of time. And without faith, it is not difficult, impossible. How come those people are always talking about faith? Well... If you don't have it, you can't please God. And if you can't please God, you end up going to hell. So it's a decent subject to spend some time on. It is in, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he is and believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There's the two pillars that faith stands on. Anyone that wants to come to God successfully must have two things in place. They have to believe that he is and we took time, I believe it was this year, and went through the names of God in the Bible and uh, called it knowing God by his names. You can't say you don't believe God heals when his name is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. You can't say that God doesn't, isn't, well, I don't believe God provides finances. I think that's just a, a scam. He said his name's Jehovah Jireh. So you can come up with, God can be anybody you want him to be in your head. But if you want to know the real God, you have to know who he is from the Bible. And then second, and equally important, think of this. They must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Not he might reward, not he can reward, not sometimes he rewards. God is a rewarder of them that do diligently seek him. Most of you have been here Wednesday, Friday, and now Saturday, and you'll be here Sunday morning. I would consider that diligent seeking of God. There's no, you know, we're not, we're not giving a popcorn away or anything like that. I think Wednesday we had charcuterie or whatever, but I don't think that was announced. So that was just like a nice bonus. I don't think anyone was coming for cured meats. So this, this, I would say counts as diligent seeking of God because the only draw to these services, you know, we announced this was a communion service. So if you don't have any interest in God, that's not going to be very interesting. Now, if you, my cousin, Preston that lives here, who used to come to church here, he, uh, <laughs> it's nice seeing him every once in a while when he pops in in the back. He has a friend from Bible college that's not the best reader, and he came to one of our Saturday night services, Bible college student, drove two hours, and Preston said, what'd you think of the service? He said, it was good, but it wasn't very funny. He said, funny, it was a communion service. He said, oh, I thought it said comedy service. <laughs> well, it helps if you sound out all the letters. That's a, that's a true story. So then when you, come to when you come to church tonight, you should have an expectation 
that God has a reward for you because he said he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, I don't know about you. I know everybody doesn't think like this. But if I decided to like quit going to church and resign being a pastor and kind of just say, you know, I've had enough of this. I've been doing it for 21 years. I want to go have some fun. Deep down, I would expect for things to kind of get worse in my life because I'd be getting out of the will of God and away from God. And I think most people could understand that. Well, on the flip side, as I diligently pursue God, I have an expectation that God is not giving me commands to follow, but like some kind of sadist that it's a punishment to go to church and a punishment to say your prayers every night like some of us were raised did you say your prayers before bed like it was doing your push-ups before bed it was like a punishment no these commands the bible says about itself that his commands are for your profiting and this is like a main scripture here first timothy chapter 4 verse 8 Godliness is profitable Timothy godliness is profitable say that with me godliness is profitable. Godliness is profitable. I'm not getting less out of life, not being in the strip district at a, at a club tonight and choosing to be in church instead. I'm going higher by pursuing God because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And you know, if you, if you teach along these lines, there's always some dummy, not here, but probably on YouTube. And so, well, Jonathan says that Number one, I'm just reading you what the Bible said in a loud tone. Secondly, I didn't didn't write that. God said that. So then people can't see. Well, the Bible also says that there's suffering and persecution. Yeah, no kidding. What do you have to say about that? You know, two things can transpire at the same time. I know it's a novel concept, but uh, you read Genesis chapter 26. Isaac is being persecuted. First of all, the Bible says that the land was in a severe famine as in the time before of his father Abraham. And Isaac sowed in the midst of the famine and reaped a hundredfold for the Lord had blessed him. Then the king moves in on him and deports him off his land. Then he gets moved off of that well. He's getting persecuted, but everything keeps growing in the midst of the persecution. So don't ever mistake a trial or an enemy or an opponent for a defeat. Are there giants in the land? Yes. But if the Lord is with us, we will take it just as he said. Can you say amen? So this is not some faith that, that pretends there's no trouble, but I never understood why people got hung up on that anyway, because if, if anybody was here that wasn't a Christian for a long time, didn't come to Christ till you were 30 or 35 or 40, there's trials and tribulations when you don't serve the Lord. It's not like yeah, there's no trouble. Anybody, anybody besides me have Facebook? Anybody have any family that doesn't know the Lord? They're posting stuff all the time about how hard they're having it. Has nothing to do with Christ. In this world, you have trouble because people are involved and people goof stuff up. Well, apparently no one's had that happen but me. <laughs> yeah, people mess stuff up. Pe- people, people are angry or, or or do something, but that. See, the difference is when you don't know the Lord, you have all those things, but you don't have any victory over it. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But when you come into covenant with God, you now have a covenant with God that I will fight your battles for you. Though your enemy attacks you from one direction, I'll make him run from you in seven directions. Now, let me pull two things out of the Old Testament real quick that would illustrate this mentality. So the the angel of death is going to go through the land and kill the firstborn 
of everything in every household, livestock and child. And God gave an instruction. Take a lamb, good, decent scripture to go through on a communion night. Take a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Kill it without breaking any of its bones. Drain its blood into a basin. Then take hyssop branches and apply the blood to the doorpost of your home. And when that angel goes through the land door to door, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. So the children of God had an expectation that night. Though there's death going around, it's not allowed to touch my house because I have a blood covenant with God on my door that exempts me from what's going on in the world. Well, do we have a worse covenant with God than that? Do we have a better covenant? How do you know? Hebrews 8, 6. We now have a better covenant based on better promises. And that makes sense. If the blood that represented the blood of Jesus could ward off the actual angel of death, we don't have blood that represents Jesus. Jesus shed his blood. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he carried his own blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled it over us. Say this out loud. What happens to others is not permitted to happen to me. Why? Say, I have a covenant with God. I don't, the new virus out in China. But, you know, I told you this when COVID came out. I said, this will not be the last one. The Bible didn't say a sign of the last days is there'll be a plague. It says the sign of the last days is there'll be plagues. And you remember if you watched me on Check the News or wherever you first found me, I said if churches shut down in 2020, they're going to get be shut down a lot. Because whatever course of action you take right now, they're going to roll these things out one after another. And I'm going to tell you, if there was ever a time to learn to live above the natural, it's now. If you can have faith in a Paw Patrol mask that you bought on Etsy that doesn't even fit your face properly, I'm telling you, you can have faith in the Word of God to do what it said it'll do. If you can testify to that tonight in this communion service, go ahead and clap your hands and give the Lord a mighty shout in Pittsburgh. So say it one more time. God is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him, and that, that's me and that's you. That's why we're here tonight. It was by faith that Noah built a... I told you I was going to give you two, two stories out of the Old Testament. The other one would be David when he saw Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armies of the Lord? Well, what was he doing? Just saying crude things? No. The sign of the covenant... The sign of the covenant with Moses was the blood that you had to apply over your doorpost. The sign of the covenant... Uh, in David's era was circumcision from Abraham on down the line. So what he was saying was, who is this man that has no covenant with God that thinks he can defy the armies of God? I don't care how big his spear is and his uh, shield and that he, all his armor. He has no covenant with God. I have a covenant with God. And so today I'm going to take him out. So when he came to Goliath and Goliath said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and stones? He said, don't make a mistake about it. I'm not coming to you with sticks and stones. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord who I serve, who you have defied this day. Then he kept talking. Today, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will cut off your head and then I'll come after all the men behind you. And that day, a 17-year-old boy that knew his covenant with God won a victory that we're still talking talking about 3,000 years later because the power is in the covenant that you have with God. It's not about who your family is, how much schooling you have. It's that you know God and your God is the almighty God. 
He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Seven. Everybody say living above the natural. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. Verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Everybody say living above the natural. Yeah, when you're 90 and you couldn't have a baby when you're 20 and then you have a child, that's, that's living above the natural. Well, I mean, we're, how many thousands of years later are we now? Adam, uh, 2,000, yeah, about 4,000 years from, from when th- this happened. So 4,000 years of medical science later, if you're a 90-year-old woman and you go to an IVF clinic and say you and your 100-year-old husband would like to have a son, they're going to tie your arms behind your back and put you in a mental institution. They don't have anything for that. They won't even attempt to do that today. And by faith, Sarah, though she was unable to have a child, was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. The Bible says she's too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. That's all faith is. Let me hear, let me see it in the King James. Through faith, also Sarah herself. See, that's better. How? Because think about it. Even if you got pregnant at 90, the, the birth would kill you. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Can you say amen? amen. You know, when it says Sarah herself received strength, that's the thing that kind of brought me into the faith message. I saw preachers that were 60 that were, didn't, weren't faith preachers. They were God sovereign. We don't know why things work out. They're all getting ready to retire. 58, 60. Then the faith guys, like Brother Jesse Duplantis that we bring in, they're always bright eyed talking about the, who buys a Falcon 7X jet when they're 75? You're supposed to be getting loose fitting white slip on shoes. And winding down. They're telling you to wind down your ministry when you're 55. So at, at 17, 18, I saw, well, both these groups claim they're Christians, but this one group is handsome and happy, and their wives look happy. And then the other group looks sad, and they're talking about retiring, and their wife has Samsonite-sized bags under their eyes. Something's wrong. I think I like these guys better. And then you find out what separates them. They have faith. Faith that God, what's faith? That he's able to do everything he promised to do for you. Say it again, living above the natural. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people, like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. There's no way to count them. All these people died believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. 
they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Well, so what was Abraham going to do? God told him, you're going to have the, the, the fulfillment of your, my promises are going to take place through Isaac. Then he said, sacrifice him. So what happened when he went to sacrifice him? Did, did Abraham say, all right, well, I guess God wants me to kill. I guess God changed his mind. No. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and, and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. 26, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Say with me, living above the natural. Now, I'm going to tell you, if somebody says that faith is not meant to be taught in a way for us to live above the natural, uh, you know, that's getting carried away, then this page needs to be permanently ripped out of every Bible. Because they're telling New Testament Christians, remember this, that the faith we have is not ritual. And I'm not looking, now that we're on television a bunch of places, I'm not looking to, to, to cause problems for people. But we don't have a ritualistic faith. That's why I've even taken two years now to teach that even our reception of communion is not a ritual. It's an act of faith to receive healing power from God into your body. Among other things. Church attendance is not ritual. We don't have a religion where we, we show up to pray a certain number of times a day. When you hear me take offerings, William said, now this is, this is our special Sunday offering. Make sure you give your tithes. How, I've lost count. It has to be over a hundred times by now. I've specifically instructed you. 
Don't give unless you're doing it to expect a harvest. Everything, because without faith, it's not difficult to please God. It's impossible to please God. Abel and Cain both brought offerings. One was accepted, one was rejected. So two people can go through the same motions, and one irritates God because they're not doing it right, and the other gains a blessing from God. Why? Because they're doing it in faith. Well, what what does that mean? I told you the two parts of faith. We read it together. Hebrews eleven six, believing that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So when you do it, knowing there's a reward, look how many times it's mentioned it in Hebrews 11 already. He did it. He wasn't afraid because he was looking forward to the reward. He was looking forward to God's reward. When you, nobody commits suicide until they get convinced that it's over, things aren't going to work out, I've messed up too bad. Faith lets you know God is blessing you now, and your latter end will be greater than all the years before. I came to tell every person in this church on this Saturday night, whatever's happened before today, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Somebody say, I have faith. This is a faith church. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that, uh, uh, no, I already read that one. 24. 29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. You know, they found all that in archaeology. All their chariots and chariot wheels at the bottom of that exact sea. Just like the Bible says. These these are not storybooks. These weren't written so that somebody could make precious moments figurines. These are real stories about real people that lived in a world. You know, this world's so wicked. You should read the world back then. I haven't seen anybody in Coriopolis throwing babies into a fire to sacrifice them to a god. Haven't seen that. Abraham lived in a wicked world. Isaac lived in a wicked world. Moses lived in in Egyptian astrology and witchcraft and magicians that could throw their staffs down and turn them into snakes. All these people lived. Abraham was the only one that believed God where he lived. Nobody believed this stuff. And he believed God and it caused him. He bought up their land. He took, in fact, his descendants are still there today. And no matter how mad everybody is about it, you can't throw them out. Because God made a covenant with Abraham. This land will be the possession of your descendants forever. And when God makes a promise, if you believe it, you can take it and nobody can do a thing about it. It was my faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was my faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. And all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Everybody say, live above the natural. These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. 
They shut the mouths of lions living above the natural. Quench the flames of fire. Talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. That's going to be the story of every person tonight. When we receive that heavenly meal, wherever you're weak in your body, wherever you're weak in your mind, whatever weakness is set up shop in your family, your weakness by faith is turned into strength tonight in Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> Women received, they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, just so you know what you're signing up for. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, now don't skip over that part. Everybody say they were too good for this world. That's talking about saints. I mean, man is so low and God is so high. God is so high. But God wrote the Bible and he spoke about people that have faith that they're actually too good for this world. Billy Graham was too good for this world. They could go down a long list of, of other people. They walk on another level. I will set you up. That's God talking. In my opinion, that guy is too good for this world. That's why. And, and how do you receive that? By faith. Your righteousness is of faith. Now, if you think that God, now we, we covered it a little bit in saying that God is a rewarder, that you have to see that God's a rewarder, A, not a punisher, B, not angry with you. He's looking to reward you, not looking to strike you with lightning. Because if you think that God doesn't like you, you know, I know, I know those people did this, but, you know, I, I haven't lived the best life. Actually, if you read about a lot of these people, they didn't live the best life. Their faith, their actions of faith canceled out the many mistakes they made. Moses killed a man with his bare hands. He got angry and choked the life out of someone. You, you think you have an anger problem? Have you choked someone to death and then buried them in the sand? Don't answer if you have, but you would be what's called an outlier. But for the majority, they've not done that. So that's the other thing you see from this. They weren't, they weren't like in their flesh. Nobody's great in their flesh. Elijah heard that, that, that uh, uh, Jezebel was going to kill him and prayed that he might die. He's depressed. Take me now, Lord. I can't do it. People battled depression. People battled anger. People battled all kinds of things. But that was what ruled their life. You actually have to see yourself elevated in order to walk above the natural. If you have some little religious view of you, I mean, no, we're nothing. He's everything. Shut up. That's not, that's not what the Bible doesn't say. You're nothing. Jesus, did Jesus die for nothing? Or did he die for men and women that were created in the image of God? That God created man in his image and in his likeness created he them. And he created them to ha not to scold them. <laughs> Read Genesis. God didn't create you because he needed someone to yell at. He created somebody that he wanted to have a relationship with. 
Can you say amen? amen? Put your right hand up and close both eyes. Say, thank you, Father, thank you, Father that, I'm that I'm created in your image and in your likeness. And, in your likeness. and you love me. And, you love me. And, I love you. and I love you. You're a loving Father. I'm glad I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Um, real quick, put up Ephesians. I'm just going to try to remember this off the top of my head. 2.10. See if I get it or not. 2.10, New Living Translation. This was the, the theme scripture, if I got it right, for when I was a youth pastor, when I was 19, I made this our, our theme scripture. Ephesians 2.10. There it is. Read the first sentence. That's what the Bible says. See, I, people like gravitating to other scriptures. I like that one. So if we are, then I am. Say out loud, I am God's masterpiece. Now start, start walking around saying that and watch some people whip their heads around. Next time you go to fill out paperwork, someone, sorry, I didn't get your name. I'm God's masterpiece. Well, you think awful high of yourself, don't you? No, the Bible says it in Ephesians 2.10. You didn't know you were in there, did you? Everybody say, I'm God's masterpiece. He has created us. No, but I was an addict. Yeah, you've been created anew in Christ Jesus so that you, and for a purpose, so that you can do the good things he created you to do long ago. God recreated my mouth so I could speak. If my old teachers were here, they'd tell you I had a speech impediment. God recreated my body to, to preach. So another preacher was telling me a few days ago because he, he was watching my traveling. He said, you know, there's a grace on you to do what you do. He said, I just flew to this place and back. And he said, I, I was off my feet for about three days, just, just resting. Yeah, it's a grace. I've been created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So I can do the good things. Did you know God had good things planned for you to do? Long before you were born, you weren't a surprise to God. It's not like you were born. And God said, oh, I got to come up with something for them to do. They just had a third kid. I thought they were going to stop it too. <laughs> Say, I'm God's masterpiece. <laughs> Say, I've been created anew in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Say, I'm able <laughs> to do the good things <laughs> that he planned for me long ago. <laughs> now lift both hands and just begin to thank God that it's true. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Now, that's not talking about healing and blessing. It's saying they were looking forward to the Messiah. You know, Isaiah is prophesying a Messiah that they'll be able to have full fellowship with God, that God, they're the ones that prophesy that God would no longer live in temples made by human hands, but he'd, li he'd live in us. They didn't get to see that. That's what it's talking about. So it's not, well, I mean, you know, we don't all receive what God promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that so easily besets us, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Everybody say, strip off, strip off. the things that easily beset you. 
Yeah. Um, is that a sin? You shouldn't ask if something's a sin. Get rid of anything that encumbers you doing what God's called you to do. How, um, that movie's rated R. Can I watch it? I, you're asking the wrong questions. What can I do? You know, it's like, like a fighter. That's why the Bible's always making analogies to fighters and runners. Runners don't say, um, hey, I know it's the Olympics. Is it okay if I wear jeans? No. They're, they're doing everything in their power to shave off aerodynamically everything they can to run. Same with swimmers. So you, don't, you, you, you look to strip off anything that's encumbering you in your race. I know I won't spend too much time on that, but I, I, I've done that particularly the second half of this year. where I'm basically just preaching and resting and getting ready to preach. And then turning loose for our, the bevy of people God's given us to help to do their specialty. And then every, everything I'm doing has a productive result for the ministry. If it doesn't grow Revival Today Church, and it doesn't expand the kingdom of God, in particular in the assignment God's given me. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was asked to be on a board of directors that would be considered prestigious, and I turned it down. I'm not even going to commit to fly someplace once a year rather than do this. This is, what did, what did, how did this church start? Jonathan, build me a strong church in this city. Okay, well, if something doesn't fall into that, it's likely going to be a no for me because I'm, I'm not running around building other people's stuff. Jonathan, I, I saw you at the Spider-Thon, how you had over a million dollars come in. You think you'd come to our church and take an offering for us? No, I could, but I'm not. I'm not running around raising money for Christian TV or anything like that. I'm parking here, and we're going to see this church. If people think it's big now, they better, get, get, <laughs> they better put a belt on for where we're getting ready to go. I told you, and I'll have more to announce on the property. When, when the Penguins are done with their lease on that arena, if the arena is still in good shape, that's where, that's where we're fixing to go. Can you say amen? We're going to go higher and higher. We're not going to run around doing everything. We're stripping everything off and doing what God's called us to do. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody say living above the natural. Turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. If you would put that up in the Amplified for me. Romans four sixteen. So, how do you live above the natural? By faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So basically, that's Hebrews 11 in one verse. All these people overcame barrenness, water, uncrossable water, you name it. Shut the mouths of lions, quenched fire, all by faith. So then, if you do it by faith, you need to know what faith is and how it works. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 17. As it is written... I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believes. The God who gives life to the dead and speaks of non-existent things as if they already existed. 
who calls those things that are not as though they are. So one key, you can write this in the, in the little margin they give you on the side of your Bible next to that verse. This is where some people get confused with faith. Faith is not calling those things that are as though they're not. If you get diagnosed with cancer, and you won't if you, if you go to this church, and if you do, I'll have my Uncle Ted come up and slap it out of your body. But just for the sake of example, faith is not saying, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer. Faith is not calling what is, it's not denying reality. It's not Christian science or Scientology. It is calling those things that are not. That woman that was 97 pounds that came here, bedridden, paralyzed from the neck down, and then carried her suitcases up two flanks of stairs. You know, I'm not crippled, I'm not crippled. No, by his stripes, I am healed. Everything in her body was the opposite of what she was saying. But she didn't go by what her body said. She went by what the Bible said. And her body had to line up with what the Bible said. Amen. Scripture, please. Who calls those things that are not as though they are. 18. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. Continue. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead, for he was a hundred years old. A hundred. Not 70. Not 85. One hundred. There was a lady that was here last night that said she was going to interrupt me to give a testimony and, and, and didn't. I don't think she came back again tonight, but she, she's coming. She's 86. She said, I had a leaky stomach. Anything I ate just went right through me. You know, that's terrible. I had that for about four days in Angola. I made sure I was within a 15-foot radius of a toilet at all times. So when she told me that, you know, now you imagine just being diagnosed with that. And then she said the doctor told me, obviously at 86, you're just going to have to live with that. And she said, I wanted to thank you. Came up, came up to me with her, her son that brought her. She said, I'm 86. Thanks for preaching and teaching on faith. She said, I received that, the last communion service you had, that when we ingest that, I'm going to be better. She said, my stomach's completely better. I went back and the doctor told me it had completely reversed. And so I wanted to say thank you. That's at 86 years old. <laughs> Amen. So there's no point... Just so you know, there's no point that, that, that God is up in heaven going, hey, it's a little ridiculous that you're believing me for this right now. You know, you're in your 70s. Take it easy. And you have to remember, when you leave these services, you're not going to hear anybody else talk like me the rest of the week. I, I, I lost count of how many healthcare network things I drove by on my way here. This, this city used to be run on steel. What's it run on now? Medical robotics, pharmaceutical companies, Allegheny Healthcare Network, uh, UPMC, every commercial. We consume 80% of the world's pharmaceuticals. So 
everything is steering you to fear of sickness and disease. They got to know there's a new pandemic out in China right now that's worse than the one that came. That's going to be the story from now till Jesus comes. So if you are going to survive, you better make up your mind tonight. I might look like everybody else. I might seem like I'm like everybody else, but I'm not like everybody else. I have a covenant with God. I have faith in God and I have a different story than everybody else. Scripture, please. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now, you think of this this is not the story of everybody in the Bible. You have John the Baptist's father in the temple, and an angel comes and tells him, You've been praying for your wife Elizabeth to have a child. I want you to know that she's already pregnant with a son. How can this be? She's an old woman. It was his prayer. People go through the motions. They actually don't expect anything to work. Lord, I'm believing that my wife's going to have a son. Then an angel comes. Your wife has a son. I don't really think you have the right person. My wife's super old. He was the one praying. What did the angel do? Now, when you get this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change you. God's greatest insult is to be doubted. I don't believe that. that. That's how you get to go to hell. That's how you go to hell. Jesus said, the sin of the world. What do you say? Marijuana smoke? Alcohol? Murder? No. The sin of the world is their what? Unbelief in me. Because if you... The, what else does the Bible say? All who believe that Christ will return will keep themselves pure. I'm not abstaining from marijuana and alcohol and whatever else because my Sunday school teacher told me to. I'm doing it because out of faith, I know Jesus is coming soon and my robe has to be white to meet him and I'm keeping it ever white under the coming of the Lord. Your, your wife is uh, going to give birth to a son. I don't think that could happen. You know what Gabriel said? I am Gabriel. I stand in, you know, he didn't send Lenny the angel. Gabriel. I'm the main guy. I stand right in the presence of God. And he said, because you said what you said, I'm going to shut your mouth until the son's born. Now, this part's not in the Bible. This is my own speculation. Why did God shut his mouth? It doesn't tell you in the Bible. Probably because his mouth would have goofed up the pregnancy. I don't know. You know, I'm 48 years old. I don't know what's going on. I, don't know. I mean, maybe it was an angel. Maybe I was just tired. When you're in unbelief, doubt is in the heart, and doubt comes out of the mouth, and death and life is in the power of the? Not just life. Death is in the power of the tongue. Okay, you don't believe? I'm going to close your mouth till your son's born so you can't mess it up. Can you say amen? You think your words aren't important? You should read the Bible. Your words matter. Abraham was the opposite. Now, you have him, 40-some-year-old wife, 50-year-old man. Your, your wife's going to have a son. I don't believe that. Then you have Abraham, 190-year-old wife. And the Bible says he considered not the deadness of his own body. You read the story yourself back in Genesis. Abraham didn't say, uh, can, I, can I at least get an explanation about how that's going to work? I'm very old. No. And this was not in the era where people were living until they were six and 700. This is past the time that God said men will no longer live past 120 years old. 
And when God told Abraham at 100, you're going to have a son. He considered not the deadness of his own body, nor the deadness of, his, of the womb of his wife. 20. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith. In one translation it says, his body grew strong and was empowered by faith. How many of you were here last Sunday? You know my Uncle Ted's about to turn 70. 70 years old. Sharp mind, not repeating stories. We don't have to say, now Ted, this is Jonathan's church. Oh, None of that. Because I'm telling you, this, this word that I'm giving you to eat on, this Bible to ingest, it'll make you different. It'll make you strong in old age. It'll make you sharpen your mind in old age. It is a living word full of power, and that power is coming into you. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God. But instead, his body grew strong and was empowered by faith as he did what? What caused him to grow strong and be empowered? As he gave praise and glory to God. He was praising God for his son before Sarah was pregnant, looking like she could never be pregnant. There's no chance he wasn't a laughingstock wherever he lived. Because number one, it's not like he could keep it to himself. You know, when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, Abraham doesn't mean father of many nations. Abraham is that name. That's why it's long in Noah, Enoch, Abraham, father of many nations. That's how he had to, that's how God made him introduce himself to people for years before the son was born. Hi, I'm father of many nations. Oh, I see your great grandma over there. Where's your wife? No, that's my wife. Looking like the Quaker Oats guy. Okay, you're going to have a child through it? No, not a child. Father of many nations. I am the I am father of many nations. He changed his name, calling those things that are not as though they are. So you're walking around at 99 years old telling people you're the father of many nations. You got a 90-year-old wife that's never had one kid. And people laugh and laugh. But then the Bible says, God said to Sarah, I will make you to laugh. Because you're, not only will you give birth, your breasts will feed that baby. And God caused Sarah to laugh. Then when he was born, Sarah laughed again. Thinking how ridiculous it is to be at the mother's group at the church at 90 years old with your newborn baby. I'm telling you, there is nothing that faith in God can't turn around. God will make you laugh. God will make you laugh in the face of your enemy. Hallelujah. Turn to John 20. Sorry, I've been trying to work on being less rough. Please, please turn to John 20. John chapter 20. So you have Abraham. Let's contrast him with somebody different. John 20, 24. 
See how many things you can contrast here. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Now you picture, Thomas was at the crucifixion. You saw Jesus beaten beyond the former visage of a man. Crucified, and then a Roman spear plunged up through his side into his heart. We've seen him. But Thomas replied, I won't believe. I really wouldn't start too many sentences with those three words. I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, Jesus had told the people that saw him when he came out from the dead, go and tell everyone that I'm alive. So they're telling them based on Jesus' word. So Thomas is literally the exact opposite of Abraham in the Bible. Abraham considered not his own body, but believed those things that were spoken unto him. Thomas said, I will not believe what was spoken with me uh, to me unless I handle it with my own body. And today, you have Christians in both camps. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that's told you that faith walks very difficult, faith is stepping out to nothing and hoping something's there, that's, those aren't scriptures. Those, I don't know what people, you know, there's all kinds of drugs that are legal now. People say crazy stuff. It should be as easy for the believer to walk by faith as it is for a bird to fly and a fish to swim. Fish don't think about swimming. They're fish. Birds don't think about flying. They fly. That's what they do. And the believer is in faith. This isn't something you don't have that you're trying to have. Faith for you from today will be as natural as breathing in and breathing out. Don't ever catch yourself saying that. Anybody ever puts the opposite thought in your head? It's a devil. I don't have faith. I can't have a trouble believing. No, quit saying that. Start saying, I thank you, God, that I have the capacity to believe your word. My friend, well, not really a friend, more of an acquaintance, Doug, that's standing at the back. <laughs> Wave your hands so people can see you. You know, ju just watching him this year, and I know this happened with a bunch of people here. You get around the faith message, it's interesting what starts happening. Because God expects production, and the production's birthed in faith. So when you hang around these messages... Not only do you not think about shutting down or suicide or retirement, you start thinking, God starts putting ideas. What's that prophecy that's in the Old Testament, the blessing that's for us? You'll be like branches that grow over the walls. In other words, you'll be like a tree that they build a wall around you, and your branches will go over the walls. That's what faith, I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus is the master example of faith. Did his little thing he started live and die in Jerusalem? Oh, no. It's, it's in Pittsburgh right now. It's in Fort Worth. It's all over. The, you can't go anywhere where there's not a, a full gospel church preaching the Bible because that's what we have. Can you say amen? amen. It grows. It multiplies. What about Abraham? Abraham, you think it's, you, a son, by the time I'm done, you'll be the father of many nations. Find me a nation where there's no Jewish people. Find it. Find an industry where there's no Jewish people. This little group of people went all over the world, just like God said. The seed that produced that is the word. Abraham believed those things that were spoken unto him, and his body became strong, and he produced. Jesus is the word made flesh. When this word comes into you, it starts expanding you. And, you know, I was talking with, with Doug earlier this year. He has a company 
in Massachusetts, well digging company. They find water on people's property. Then he felt the Lord speak to him to move here. So him and his brother in business together. His brother handled things there. He handled some things down here. Then he said, you know, I'm thinking about expanding and making a second branch here in Pennsylvania. I just don't know anybody. I don't have any contacts or equipment. I'm telling you from the time he said that, that the Lord put that on his heart. He started meeting people randomly that were looking to sell trucks, the exact trucks he needed. He found a piece of property to have a second headquarters here. Then I remember talking to him on the headset and him saying, hey, we got our first job. And then I'm getting a second one this week. That's, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to stay small, you should leave this church tonight and go join another church. Because if you sit around here, you are in a company of winners and champions that take ground for God. Let me tell you something. Say this out loud. Living above the natural. In the natural, you have political parties doing everything in their power to tax everything out of you to make sure. I, I was reading that, that uh, people are going to start to buy shares of apartments. Shares of apartments. That's a new company that's coming out. So no home ownership, no apartment ownership. They wanted you to get rid of your vehicle, get rid of your land. Everybody live in 15-minute cities. But I got news for those people. You cannot confine faith to a 600-square-foot apartment. There is something big on the inside of you in the midst of all this opposition you're going to grow and expand and make great results not by might not by power but by the spirit of almighty God who do these people think they are telling me what to eat reduce beef consumption I told you I've been eating beef almost every day even when I don't feel like it just to stick it to them and I, I, I can't admit any more carbon than I'm emitting right now, I'll tell you that much. If you see somebody taxing a Falcon 50 to Giant Eagle, that's me. What do you mean, officer? <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Look how the world's going. Trying to get you to think small. Be, be ashamed of having money. Be ashamed of having property. How can you do that to the environment? Let me tell you something, my friend. God did not create me to take care of the earth. God created the earth to take care of me. Listen now. God did not create birds and say it is good. He didn't create grass and say it's good. He didn't create the sky and say it's good. He created me and he created you and he said it is good. God is going to bless you in the midst of every effort to keep you down. Hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you, there is a breakthrough anointing here. You're getting something tonight. Tonight's a different night. You're going to expand. You're going to do well. Doors are going to open. You're not staying where you're at. Every battle that you've had to fight, your children and grandchildren won't know one of those battles. Because you're breaking barriers that they won't have to break. You're taking ground that they won't have to take. In Jesus' name. You'll never be broke. You want to know how I know? The Bible says, I once was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed out begging for bread. There might not be enough food to sustain the planet. If you run out, God will give us a plan at this church. 
to have an abundance of food. I mean, look at Israel, man. Israel is proof of what I'm preaching. You didn't, I promise you that you never went to Whole Foods and bought strawberries and it said product of Palestine. Nothing grows there. Nothing grows in the land around it. Then there's this little place the size of New Jersey with strawberries and watermelons and everything getting shipped out to the world from a little tiny nation because that nation has the blessing of God. When you have the blessing of God, you'll bloom in a desert. Hey, I'll tell you, man, I've been doing it for 21 years. I started to enjoy it. Going to a church. You get there Sunday morning as an evangelist. There's 21 people just disgruntled. Looks like a failure. Looks like you're going to have the worst week of your life. And in the beginning, I'd get nervous. After about 11 years, I'd just start laughing. I can't wait to see what happens. It's going to make this go from a little meeting to a packed out meeting. To have to move to another building because we can't fit in here anymore. Everything with God not only grows, it grows supernaturally first the blade then the ear then the full corner on the ear that's what's in you i won't believe it unless i put my fingers in in the holes in his hands and place my hand in the wound in his side eight days later the disciples were together again and this time thomas was with them the doors were locked But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. That's the benefit of being resurrected. You can just walk in any entrance. Peace be with you. Then he walked straight over to Thomas. Notice how this correction is recorded in the Bible. I bet you when Thomas walked in, he went, "Uh uh-oh. And I bet when he looked at him, he already knew where he was going. This isn't good. Put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. And don't be faithless. Everybody say faithless. So according to Jesus, faithless is saying, I won't believe it till I see it. He didn't say, I don't believe it. He said, I won't believe it till I see it. He didn't say, there's no way Jesus is alive and I'll never believe it. Well, maybe that's true. One day if I have it, that'd be great. That's not faith. That's according to Jesus, that's faithless. Don't be faithless any longer. But believe, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who, though they've never seen. Well, that's me. Still, they believe. There's a blessing. I want to see Jesus. Well, you actually carry a greater blessing, the fact that you've never seen him. And yet you believe. Can you say amen? Amen. Let me tell you something. People that don't believe, if Jesus appeared right now on the earth, they still wouldn't believe him or wouldn't care. Some people wouldn't even look up from their cell phones. I know people. Jesus would have been. That's Jesus. Oh, that's right. I have to go to Subway and get a sandwich for my mother. People are seeing won't solve the problem. There's people that there's a lady that I prayed for in Hobart, Indiana. Her name's Christine. She, was, uh, she wasn't in a wheelchair. She was on a walker. And she was on a bunch of medication. She was missing discs in her back that made her unable to walk. She got healed the second night of the meeting and then went to the guy that was her doctor and got tested. And when they ran the MRI, she had three brand new discs. So you know what he did? Threw his MRI machine away and ordered a new MRI machine. So if you think seeing solves the problem, If you can't believe it before you see it, you won't believe it after it happens. 
So we got the new MRI machine, she told me, and they ordered her to come in and have tests again because obviously the other one's not working because it's impossible to regrow discs. They ran the scan, showed the exact same thing, and she said she could hear him through the sheetrock wall saying the F word over and over again. Yeah, his unbelief cost him $400,000. I told her, why didn't you tell me he threw it away? I'd have driven up to Chicago and got a perfectly good MRI machine and had that sucker on eBay. <laughs> Built a rec center or something. Amen. Somebody say, I, I got faith. Bible says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Do you know what they're chanting? What, what Islamic jihadists are chanting right now? First, we kill the Saturday. This is in Arab, uh, Arabic. First, we kill the Saturday people. Then we kill the Sunday people. That's what they're chanting. But I got faith. You read the Old Testament. Faith will shield you from trouble. You want to kill the Sunday people? Start here. It's not going to work out the way you thought. Can you say amen? amen? And we're to be willing to give our lives. I am, but you're going to have to earn it. Amen. amen. You, ain't, you ain't taking this church down. The devil can run his mouth all he wants. The devil is not in charge of my life. The devil's not in charge of my ministry. The devil's not in charge of my future. And I'm telling every one of you that are here, you're going to hear some wild things. The Bible says so. Before Jesus comes back, the Bible says the fear that's on the earth will be so intense that people's hearts will fail them because of the fear. Why do you think I'm sweating my head off preaching faith to you? Because you're going to go one way or the other. You're either going to live above the natural or the natural is going to kick your tail. You're going to be on so much medication, you can't see straight, trying to cope with depression and anxiety, but not in this church. We have what I read you out of Hebrews 11, the faith that causes you to go through the fiery furnace, the faith that causes you to shut the mouths of lions, the faith that causes you to hold Goliath's head in your hands. That's what's in your spirit. The devil couldn't stop it then. The devil can't stop it now, and he won't be able to stop it tomorrow. This is the victory that overcomes comes the world, even our faith. If you receive it, take 15 seconds. Clap your hands one more time. Faith! Say it so the devil can hear you. I have faith. I'm not trying to get faith. I have faith. Now you believe because you've seen. If you would, up in the control room, grab that video clip that, that uh, Pastor Jay posted of us in, in, in uh, Angola preaching on the field. Just to show people that it's the same thing all over the world. Doesn't make a difference where you go. Doesn't make a difference if anybody's ever heard it before or not. Because this carries so much power. It's universal. Black people, Chinese people, Taiwanese people, Singapore. There's churches like, like what I'm preaching. There's pastors in Singapore with churches of 6,000. That preach there. There's underground churches in China. They're just, they have to, they have to keep it hidden. You, you can't stop this thing. We don't have some kind of vague American Christian church here. This is a faith church. This is a book of Acts. Heal the sick. If you come and tell us here that your child's having problems, we don't tell you about a therapist. We pray the prayer of faith and the Lord raises them up. In three weeks, it'll be two years since we've been here. The changes that have taken place in people's lives with their children that were transgender and de-transitioned. De 
Lost count at three. I don't count anymore. Things that are supposed to be impossible. Things that are supposed to be irreversible. I've been hanging around this message since I was a little boy. I didn't have a choice in the matter at three and four. I was just in my dad's meeting. But let me tell you, it didn't take too long before I thought to myself, I like this. This isn't a drag to me, man. I like, I like this. I like whatever this is. I want it. These stories are true. Then you start seeing people pop up out of a wheelchair. Blind eyes come open. First night of that crusade with Dag Haywood Mills. There's a man in town that everybody knew, apparently, that was born blind. And he comes up on the stage and, in Portuguese, tells everybody, I can see everything. I can see you. He told Dag, I, he said, what do I look like? He said, you're white. Well, if Dag's white, I don't know what I am. <laughs> Translucent. And to watch that guy, he's looking at the ceiling, looking down at his shoes, looking at his hands, just standing there looking at everything with his eyes real big. Seeing for the first time. I'm not looking to cause trouble, but then in another way, I kind of am looking to cause trouble. You know, all my reformed friends, you can go on Twitter and Facebook and debate about miracles all you want. You can't... You know why we don't debate back? We just keep doing what we're doing. That's why our churches are big, and then you just have our footage to talk about on your podcast. Modern-day Pharisees and Sadducees just criticizing miracles. Can you say amen? You can tell me the devil did all that on that field? You guys have that clip? Now watch this. This is in, in rural Angola. This is not the capital city, Luanda. This is out there. Tough to get to. So the people, this is at 7 in the morning. They run services all day. And I, I got to do the 7 a.m. service, which was easy for me because of the time difference. Because if I had to do a 7 a.m. service in America, <laughs> people would convert to other religions during my sermon. <laughs> so you give an interpreter, preach the exact same stuff about faith and God's power. And there's nothing God can't do. And the crowd kept growing. Watch, watch, what, watch what Jesus did. All people here, many of them for the first time, never heard anything like that. That's the first gospel crusade that was ever done in that town. Started off with probably a third of that in the beginning, and then it grew and grew until it started to cover the field. Then that night, you guys don't have any footage of the night, do you? I mean, it's Bishop Dag's crusade. It's not. Look at that. Pause. Just so you know. Everyone that's praying with him right now is praying the sinner's prayer. 20 plus thousand people at a shot converting to Christ. Then everybody come up. Took an hour and a half to take the testimonies, including that night a mother walked up. I'm telling you, these people that criticize miracles, you should go to a crusade. Now, you're going to stand and tell that mother she's lying or that a devil did it. What, what are you going to say? I know liars. I know when people are full of crap, including in church. When you see a mother crying a certain way and telling in Portuguese, my daughter has never heard or spoke, and she's signing to me that she can hear, and she's starting to speak. Well, I've seen mutes get healed in my, uh, by the way, if that's like an political, I don't know what, what the term is now. That's what they called them growing up. People who can't speak, 
When they, when they got healed in meetings, you can watch them on old A.A. Allen meetings, Oral Roberts. Their vocal cords have never been healed. So even if they're older, their voices are real high, like a baby's. So, so I, can, I can speak. Like they'll start talking like that because there's no development of the vocal cords. So the girl starts talking like that. I can speak. Like little words, little like syllables, not even full words. If you watch the old A.A. Allen meetings, they teach them to speak on stage. I should pull it up. Now say Bible. Bible. Say Bible. Bible. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say Jesus. Have them say like five words, then have them go off the stage. Hearing and speaking. When the tears, forget the kid being healed. That's great. The tears in the mother's eyes. Like I literally, am, I don't even know what to say. I thought I was going to raise a disabled child my whole life. And this kid is hearing and speaking. The joy. And then him just take the testimony in like 15 seconds. He'll praise the Lord because there's too many to get to. You can't even celebrate it for long. Then the next person, I was deaf. Next person, I was bedridden. Next person, I was carried here on a mat. And now I can walk. It was one after another till you lose count. That book is available to you. That book's being preached into you right now. I'm telling you, there's nothing the devil's done to you that God won't turn it around tonight. Stand on your feet, everybody. Play, play that clip again. The, the last one you were playing that I cut off. So you understand, all the stands are filled, and then the entire pitch of the stadium is filled. That's in five nights. Crowd probably tripled. When are, you, when are you guys going to University of Pittsburgh? Saturday. This coming Saturday? Everybody lift your hands in this whole church. I pray that that anointing that I, uh, Pastor Jay and I were a part of in that meeting, I pray that it would grow even stronger into this church. That anywhere the soles of our foot tread as a church, it be, we become people magnets, people attractors. In Jesus' name. You put your hands down and look up at me. There's a couple. I, I probably mentioned them before. The guy's a personal trainer and his wife's a beautician, cosmetologist. And uh, during what no I had seen in July, they were visiting their mother, her mother, up on the hill across from the soccer dome. And they said, we were... Looking down the window at all the cars, and we both felt something say on the inside of us, you need to go down where those people are. And so we went. And they gave their life to the Lord that Sunday. They got baptized that Sunday, even though they didn't bring clothes or anything. He's 40. She's in her 30s. And they've been coming ever since. So then they brought the mother. She got saved. Then the, the uh, uncle or dad came, and he walked up to me after he gave his life to the Lord. You know how I walk down? Sometimes I lay hands on people. Sometimes I grab their hand and shake it. I grabbed his hand and shook it. I didn't realize his hand was frozen like this. So I grabbed his hand to shake it. And then he comes up to me going like this. And the whole family, all seven of them, are, are pointing at him. Look at his hand. Well, I don't know him. So I, yeah. He goes, I couldn't move my hand for like eight years. W what was that? That's Jesus. That's a whole family. Now, that's going to grow and grow and grow.
Can you say amen? amen? Play that clip again from Dag's meeting. I just want to see it one more time. You know, let me, let me just share this with you and then we'll take communion. Bishop Dag told me he has four, like that stage is his, the lighting's his, all that. And so he has four sets of them that travel on trucks, all stationed in different parts of Africa. Madagascar, North Africa, over there in Angola. So then he, then he can do crusades one after another. So he, he said, I would like you to start doing crusades in Africa. He said, you can use all my, all my equipment. You can use our crusade directors. He, he said, well, I'll show you how to do it. You know, I don't know why he, he's, he's, he just turned 60, so maybe, maybe he's thinking about the future. So I said to him, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I'm saying this respectfully, but this is probably my 15th trip to Africa. I said, this isn't new to me. I said, the reason I stopped doing it was because I said, surely you've met American preachers that travel all around the world. And if you ever go back home and look at their church, it's a tiny church. I said, so I, I'm focusing, not because I don't care about Africa. I said, but you're here. So in my mind, I thought, I don't, I don't look at your crusades and go, you know, he really needs me to come help him. So I said, the reason, it's not because I don't care about Africa, but since the Lord called me to do these churches, you know, I'm putting all my focus on that. He said, did you hear about India going to the moon? I said, I did. He said, what does any country get out of going to the moon? They don't bring anything back. There's no gold there. There's no oil there. So you spend all this money to go to the moon and come back. And in the natural, you got nothing to show for it except a bunch of bills. He said, that's what crusades are. You go out and spend a bunch of money. I, I won't say what all he's told me because I don't know what he once said. But I mean, the offerings in those kinds of meetings. Now, not that one, but other ones that were that big. The offering for the week's like $400. You know, it costs like $300,000 to do. So in, in the natural, it's, it's, like it's like financial suicide. He said, but you notice any time a country, America, Russia, India, if a country goes, South Africa, if they go to the moon and come back, they're immediately elevated as a nation. He said, there's something about, somebody was just telling me last night after the service, they said, since you came back from Africa, it felt like, it's felt stronger in these meetings. Because it's like God rewards you for obeying the Great Commission. It doesn't make any sense. But because you're going to reach people who have never heard the gospel and who have kids that need prayed for. Let me tell you something. It's different. Because if you're born with something bad here, they at least like fix you up good enough so you look halfway presentable. You're born with some messed up leg there, they give you a tree branch to help you walk. Some kid with a, an eye trooped out of the socket just hanging there. There's no stitched up plastic surgery, nothing. And there's no hospital. They don't have the money to go even if there is one. They need, what's the name of his crusades? The Healing Jesus Campaign. People need healed. There's an old preacher in America that said, there's a broken heart on every pew. People need Jesus. They need the Bible. Or they're just going to get taken advantage by Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer and Moderna and whoever else is selling drugs. And they don't get any better. They just need more drugs. And people are sad and hurting and broken. I'm telling you, as great as these two years have been, 
We're going to put our foot on the gas on this place. The devil will be sorry he didn't destroy this city before 2020. He's going to have a rough, a rough time in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will never, by the way, did you hear what happened in the last election here in Pittsburgh? District attorney, they voted out the Soros district attorney and voted in a law and order uh, district attorney that actually prosecutes crime. That's an answer to prayer. I told you they are not going to turn this place into Philadelphia or, or, or whatever other city. God's light is going to shine. Pittsburgh's going to be known as a city of revival. There's going to be tens, tens of thousands of people that come to this city to come to this church to partake of the goodness of God. I'll change it to hundreds of thousands because I think we're already past 10,000. Just lift your hands. Father, I owe you a massive thank you for these last 23 months. Thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you. You're too, too good. Too good. Too faithful to fail. We just read your 8,000 year track record tonight in the Bible. Pretty impressive. How could we ever doubt you? So we thank you expressly from our hearts. We thank you. And secondly, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do these next 12 and a half months, the closeout of this year. Let December be the exclamation point on this great year. And then I thank you in advance for 2024. I pray that all the stuff that goes on in an election year, Antifa and riots and whatever else the devil has planned, I pray it would just be like some smoke screen and then we just plow ahead. While the world gets darker, I thank you that we get brighter. The path of the upright shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the full light of day. Now, all these people that are here today, that are here by divine grace. This, this, this didn't exist two years ago at this time. Now all these people are here. You drew them here from other states. People still moving here from other states. Touch them tonight. Heal them tonight. From the inside out, whatever is troubling them, that they hate to be in their bedroom alone at night with the TV off because... It bothers them. Remove that. I'm asking you. You called me to pastor here, and you told me to pray for the sick in the Bible. So please, I'm doing what you said, and I thank you that you do what you say. Remove every injury, every internal hurt, 
Everything that's happened in life that's beat people down. Thank you that you lift them up. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I curse every addiction. I curse fentanyl addiction. I curse heroin addiction. And I curse fentanyl and heroin and everybody that has a hand in running it into this city. Let there be another exposure before the end of the year. Constrict the pipeline of drugs into this city supernaturally. I ask you, Father, since you love me so much and you said I can ask whatever I will and you'll give it to me that my joy may be full. I pray that during all the wicked things that happen leading up to the coming of the Lord, Pittsburgh would be like an oasis. That as a blessing to this church, it'd be, it'd be like that stuff just doesn't touch here. In Jesus' name. Let mighty angels, just because I live here, put mighty angels here. Not weak ones or mid-range ones. Strong angels in Pittsburgh. In Jesus' name. Thank you that our children are protected. Thank you that our homes are protected. Thank you that our lives are in your hands. And you have no bad will for us. You have a good will for us. We receive that today. In Jesus' name. Say this with me, but say it from your spirit. Don't repeat it like some kind of cult repeating. Say, victory belongs to me. Through Jesus Christ. Say, healing belongs to me. Through Jesus Christ. Say, blessing belongs to me. Through Jesus Christ. I receive it today. Take your communion. Before we receive, as you take the communion in your hand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus fed the multitudes, but he didn't serve communion to the multitudes. Communion was for his disciples. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or you once did and you fell away, just like we had people do last night, wouldn't it be great to be able to partake communion as a child of God? Yeah, I've done a lot wrong. It's not a problem unless you hold on to it. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. There's no sin that's greater than the blood of Jesus. If you say, Jonathan, I would like to make things right with God tonight and be restored into fellowship and right standing with him, just put your hand up high and wave it at me and we'll pray together. won't embarrass you, but I will pray with you. I want to pray with you. Put your hand up and wave it if you need to do that tonight. All right. If everybody's in the kingdom, then we'll proceed. Thanks. Take the bread. Break it in your hand. This represents the body of Christ that was broken so that yours can be whole. Remember, one of the main points of communion 
is a realization that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Jesus doesn't battle sickness. Jesus destroys sickness. So if he's in you, you know, it's tough to explain. How, how in the scriptures are you going to explain to me that I'm going to get sick and battle the illness? It's not going to happen. It's not scriptural. Not because I'm mighty or macho. Christ lives in me. And whatever doesn't have power over Christ does not have power over me because I'm in him and he's in me. Partake of the bread. This is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. In other religions, you shed your blood for the, the guy that founded it. In this one, the founder shed his blood for you. This do as often as you take it in remembrance of me. And what I did and what I purchased for you, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take it. Praise God. Let's sing a song of worship quickly. Every hand lifted. Go ahead, Sister Maria. sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.